and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. This week I am talking to Ione Georgiakis from Tourette's Action. I first heard about Tourette's Action when I heard one of their representatives do an interview on Radio 1 while I was actually driving home from Master Groom earlier in the year. I messaged in the next day and was thrilled when they said that Ione would do an interview with me. She is such a warm, friendly and open character. She's so passionate about her job and spreading her knowledge. I wanted to ask her about what ticks are and what Tourette's is, how it affects a person, what can help, what Tourette's therapy dogs do, and generally to create a better understanding in our community about Tourette's syndrome. So let's get to the interview. I was absolutely buzzing after talking to Ione, so I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. Let's go. Hi Ione, how are you today? Oh, I'm very well, thank you, Carla. Thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, well, welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers. Um, so I've got you here today to talk to us about Tourette's and you're from Tourette's Action. So could you start by just introducing yourself, what your job is and some of the aims of Tourette's Action and, and what they're about, really? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name's Ione, Ione Georgiakis, and I am the Therapies and Advocacy Manager at Tourette's Action. Wow. I'm a qualified occupational therapist, uh, so I work part-time with Tourette's Action and part-time um, as an OT. I have worked for the organisation for, for about three years now in various different um, roles and positions, and my responsibility is to kind of create and share evidence-based training sessions on all things ticks and Tourette's to all sorts of different uh, clients and individuals from healthcare professionals to teachers, adults with Tourette's, parents, families, essentially anyone who will listen, Carla. Um, And that's kind of And now dog groomers as well. And now dog groomers, a totally new audience, which is awesome. (laughs) This is a unique one. And I've had lots of dog related ticks in my head all week, I think, in preparation for this. Um, But Tourette's Action uh, works in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. And we're the leading support and research charity for people living with Tourette's syndrome and their families. And essentially, our kind of aims are to enable people with Tourette's to receive the practical support and social acceptance that they need to live fulfilling 
well well rounded lives really we're a small organization full of very passionate people yeah. all who have a direct lived experience or sort of personal connection to ticks and Tourette's through members of their family so kind of everyone is involved because they're involved with Tourette's either way and so they found a way to make their passion into a bit of a profession that's certainly the case for me anyway um yeah. That sounds like an amazing job. Like it sounds like you've got so much going on, so many different aspects to it, mixing with so many different people, doing something you're really passionate about. Like that that sounds like a totally amazing job to me, actually. To be honest with you, Carla, I agree. I think it's a totally awesome job. Uh, it combines all of the things that I love to do. And it, it, it lets me, as a person with lived experience of Tourette's, really know that I'm I'm hopefully <laughs> having a positive impact on kind of improving quality and access to healthcare and education for for people living with this condition. So it's it's just nice to be a part of the process, really. Brilliant. And um, if we can sort of start with sort of just learning about um, some of the physical symptoms of Tourette. So what exactly are tics and how can they present differently in different people? Oh, absolutely. It's a very good place to start. So so tics in this context uh, mean sort of involuntary sounds and involuntary movements. Uh, and we say involuntary because they sort of sit on the spectrum between voluntary things, things that we want to do with conscious intent and totally involuntary things that we have absolutely no control over. So that means that some people have a little bit of an awareness of their tics or a mm. little bit of a capacity to kind of stop them for a bit in the same way that you or I could not blink for a short period of time. But it would okay. be quite challenging and we'd get dry sore eyes we'd eventually blink so that's kind of that involuntary term um so tics can be motor so movement or they can be vocal sound tics and then we kind of break them down even more so we go these tics can be simple which is essentially like a single stage movement or sound so that could Mm -hmm. be like a grunt or blinking your eyes or um making a bit of an animal sound or raising your eyebrows something quite Mm -hmm. quite basic it's essentially what it says on the tin and then we have complex movement and sound ticks and they are exactly like it says on the tin a lot more complex in nature they might have a few stages to them you might have to uh, complete the actions in a certain way for them to be out they could be whole words and sentences they could be phrases they can be um, kind of touching objects throwing objects hitting person self kind of wiggling around until you get that right feeling so ticks there are as many essentially ticks as there are people with ticks and they can just be so so different in each different person um ticks kind of there's some general rules so they often start around the age of five or six um okay they tend to get worse in teenage years but what doesn't um we know that there's kind (laughs) of there's there's hormones a lot going on (laughs) <laughs> a lot going on there's there's all those social challenges going on as well as that pr- real desperation to fit in and to not stand out which Tourette's just absolutely doesn't let happen so it can become a bit of a vicious cycle especially in those teenage years and then lots and lots of people around 50 percent of adults with Tourette's yeah, will have a reduction in their symptoms into adulthood mm-hmm. but what we know is that that is not everyone's experience that the adults who don't have a reduction in their symptoms face a lot more kind of complex barriers to work and well-being and they might not have such um, positive responses to medical management for ticks so kind of medications and therapies and also we know that 
with natural experiences of life stress, people often get a resurgence of those childhood ticks later in life. Um, and they often kind of come back either way. So it's okay. important that we we take that 50% with a bit of a pinch of salt, I'd say. Yeah, it sounds like something that really is personal to the person who who has it. Because like you say, different ticks, some are more simple, some are more complex, some last throughout the life, some sort of hide away a bit more and then re come out it sounds like you have to sort of treat everybody as a single person because sort of it's not one size fits all from what what I'm hearing is that correct absolutely that is that is just so that's so it and we say when you've met one person with Tourette's you've met one person with Tourette's and it's going to be different and and people make these big sweeping assumptions about what this condition is and what it looks like and what the symptoms might be and then you meet someone with the condition and it completely can blow that out the water so it's just important I guess that we represent everyone's experience of this condition and just how different it can look for for us all I guess okay so with with um sort of your with the ticks how is it is there things that impact it more so like if you were having more of a sort of a stressful time or you're sort of more maybe anticipating something that's coming up or is it is there different things in different situations that can impact how a person presents on a particular day Absolutely. Yeah. And what I really like there, Carla, is that you didn't just kind of mention negative experiences, but also positive ones. So like that anticipation, that looking forward yeah. to something. There are so many things that can impact ticks. So ticks naturally wax and wane. So they get better and worse at different points in the person's day, life, week, month, year, sometimes for totally unseen factors. And then okay. we also know <laughs> that things like stress and anxiety, but also excitement and, and lots and lots of energy can really impact ticks. We know when people are in pain, that that can increase their ticks. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, the sensory environment. So what's going on inside and outside the body has a massive impact on ticks so some loud noises you know a really itchy irritating label at the back of your shirt uh kind of a a car horn going on outside the lights being too bright any of those kind of sensory changes uh, can have a really big impact on ticks and we know that lots of people with Tourette's have lots of sensory preferences and differences so it can be quite interlinked um we know that when people are kind of quite excited or looking forward to something that that all of the things that come with that can increase ticks we can know in spaces that people are really anxious about ticking that they think there's going to be negative consequences to it that they're actually more likely to tick so we'll give the example of an airport so airports can be stressful places for absolutely anyone if you add a condition that causes you to kind of say involuntary sounds and movements and draw attention to yourself that's going to be more stressful and then if you're one of the sort of 15 to 20 percent of people with Tourette's who have what we call coprolalia symptoms which is kind of the 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 compulsive swearing the the condition or the feature of the condition that everyone associates with Tourette's they say Tourette's oh that's the swearing condition only a really small minority of people with Tourette's have have those challenges have those symptoms but obviously they have a really really big impact on well-being and function and how safe you feel so if we think about the stress and anxiety of going to an airport and then you add in the fact that you have those symptoms and that your body and your brain might make you more likely to say something that could get you into trouble or that could insult someone. Uh, the worry around that is going to increase your ticks. The worry of the consequences or who you could offend or upset is going to increase your ticks. So again, it's another part of Tourette's that falls into that kind of vicious cycle. 
I was sort of like gonna ask you actually as well because recently I watched just from what you said about how other people see it as sort of more of a swearing condition I think previous to just recently that was the aspect of Tourette's that you did see on TV quite a lot but I mean recently I saw the Lewis Capaldi documentary which was so moving it was so it's so interesting to watch and also Billie Eilish I know she sort of opened up about her Tourette's now do you do you think that people such as Lewis Capaldi and Billie Eilish who are you know in the mainstream celebrity media at the moment talking about it has like sort of helped raise awareness yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I I properly wept when I watched his Glastonbury set. I did. Yeah. Just saw saw just thousands and thousands of people jump in and support someone with compassion and just yeah. and seeing when he couldn't and there was kind of like no, oh my goodness, he's he's here and he can't do it. It wasn't that. It was just this yeah. really beautiful show of support really and as someone. It was it was so great to see. And I guess like I'm someone who lives with this condition who's incredibly lucky to be surrounded by really caring, empathetic, supportive friends and family. But I guess that's not everyone's experience. And what I will say is most people living with tits and Tourette's would have had really quite negative experiences at some point in their life, whether that's kind of being stared at, being judged, being removed from a venue. In some cases, people being videoed um, or kind of people taking pictures of them when they're ticking, people making really big judgments about them as a person or their parenting capacity or anything really making yeah, big old people judgments can be really awful, can't they? people can be awful and I think that seeing in the mainstream media positive experiences and representations of Tourette's is really really important it's really important to show the whole spectrum of this condition and how it yeah. presents for loads of people because like I said although the, the, the minority of people with Tourette's who have coprolalia symptoms who have these swearing symptoms it life can be like immensely challenging and I don't think yeah. we need to use much imagination to, to understand why mm-hmm. life can be really challenging for people with what we call just kind of more simple tics um tics that might not get noticed or recognized as Tourette's and that's one of the barriers that they face is that people it doesn't look like the Tourette's that they see on their tv and mm-hmm. so they don't get diagnosed. We've even had people who have been to their GP and they're like, oh, he doesn't have Tourette's. He's not swearing. And we oh, think, no, sake, come on, no. we, need to, we need to move away from this. We need yeah. to, to, to move past this. So when we see people like Billie Eilish, we see people like Lewis Capaldi doing their thing, unashamedly sharing their experiences in a really beautiful and authentic way. It's so helpful for, for helping us to recognise it at an early stage, to accept it, to bring public awareness to it, reduce some of the shame and the stigma around this condition. Yeah, I think I'm all for it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And also what you said about with the with the airports and, and sort of raising awareness. One thing that sort of had crossed my mind to ask you was that if someone's having a day where they are feeling um, say we went on a holiday together and you was probably, Let's do probably it. <laughs> struggling in an airport, you know, what would be the best thing that I could do to help you? You know, what is a, a helpful thing for someone in this situation to support someone who's who's having a, a harder day as such? Really good question. And I guess that it's it's super unique for everyone and everyone's going to want a different response or support in that time. But things like kind of not drawing too much attention to the ticks, recognising that they're happening um, mm. and kind of letting them be. Ticks, like loads of things in our brain and body, respond to positive and negative attention. And simply by drawing attention to them, you're likely to increase them. So kind of letting them be. Um, 
if you know the person and you can kind of be there alongside them absolutely but sometimes we don't know someone but we Mm. can see them in distress we can see them having a difficult time and I think the power of just a, a gentle smile can go such a long way just letting someone know that you you can you can see them but you see them with compassion yeah. using things like the uh sunflower lanyard scheme is really helpful so airports are cracking at this and they've always okay. got them available and they've always got these signs saying we support the sunflower lanyard scheme and this represents invisible disabilities that's really helpful so that okay. not only helps other people to spot that there's something else going on for this person there might be some challenges but it also lets you do practical life hacks so you know not having to stand in the back of a six-hour queue in an airport is probably a really important thing for someone with Tourette's six and Tourette's so mm-hmm. being able to go through security quite quickly again through the fast lane track is really important for someone with ticks and Tourette's how do we reduce the stress um and the anxiety um, yeah. of 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 that sometimes it's about kind of how can I distract you let's have a conversation let's play a game let's listen to some music we okay. know that it's like widely reported that people with Tourette's get a reduction or a reprieve in their symptoms when they're doing certain activities and what I love about this Carla is that one that constantly comes up is spending time with animals dog Brilliant. walking kind of being around animals or being kind of in nature in the garden things like that kind yeah. of practical hands-on activities and so sometimes it's as simple as like let's crack out some coloring or let's listen to a podcast or let's let's listen to Carla's podcast or let's let's listen to some music let's do something with our bodies and our hands let's distract ourselves let's distract from the attention that other people might be bringing to us and sometimes it's like I don't want to see I don't want to see people seeing me I don't want to hear what they might have to comment I want to kind of shut off from that and um, hopefully in doing so when you're grooming as well you do really sort of get into that creative zone sort of like maybe a singer would or someone who plays instruments like if you've got to the point where you've prepped out your dog you've done your bathing and your drying you've got a blank canvas exactly get started with a pair of scissors or just you know getting on and creating something sort of in harmony with the animal obviously some some dogs are easier to work with than others Mm. they don't all just stand there but the ones that do and you have like a really really good session just sort of getting that creativity out I can totally see how that might help because obviously I have seen where there have been examples obviously of people say like with Tourette's that um when they're singing it seems like it's gone away but then it yeah. maybe comes back when they've stopped singing for example I know it's not the same for everyone but sometimes you see and you think wow that's amazing so yeah that's why it sort of really interested me as far as the creative stuff goes because it, it could be transferred across to grooming as well I mean I know people who struggle with like anxieties or different other sort of you know things that people struggle with I know I struggle with anxiety and I, I'm going through ADHD diagnosis wow. at the moment and I know that it, I find things can be really um distracting and really like the world can get quite busy and da, 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 da. but once you've got the dog on the table and you've got your scissors on the dog it's like everything else just whoo, disappears it just you know blurs into the background so no, that's really really interesting one thing that I did sort of want to ask as well with with the ticks and how they sort of come differently with different people do you know what's gonna come when you're about to tick do you, can you tell is there any sort of like foresight as to what is going to happen or is it really spontaneous how does it feel really good question and again super individual but we do sometimes get uh, a bit of awareness so that can look different for everyone so like 90% of people with Tourette's have what we call a pre-monetary urge and a pre-monetary urge is a fancy way of saying like a tick urge or an uncomfortable sensation that proceeds that comes before a tick and that essentially 
we need to do the tick to relieve that. So if we think about um, like having a bit of a tickly cough, you know, you have a tickly throat and then you cough and that might be relieved for a second. And then Mm -hmm. if you're unwell or you're a smoker or whatever's going on, you might have to keep doing that to clear that tickly cough. So with Tourette's, it can be described as loads of different things, like a tingling, a burning, a, a deep pressure, an uncomfortable sensation. And we do the movement or we make the sound and it gets rid of that uncomfortable sensation for a little bit. And then just like most things, it comes back again. You have to do the movement or the sound for it to go again. Now, there's lots of different things that can impact how people experience those urges. So that, you know, people might get better at recognise them later in life as an adult. You might be able to spot that, oh, that that's that feeling in my tummy that causes mm-hmm. me to do that movement or that that pressure in my throat means that this verbal tick is going to come out or even that the start of what my mouth is about to form, like that F sound might tell me what that tick could be. But okay. lots of other people really struggle with recognising their premonitory urges or their tick urges that could be because they just simply don't recognize it maybe they don't have it as strongly maybe they struggle to recognize what's going on in their body anyway or Mm -hmm. maybe they're younger maybe there's some other learning needs and differences going on there that impact it as well so although people generally have a tick urge in Tourette syndrome uh, it doesn't it doesn't look or feel the same for everyone. And it, it doesn't always mean that someone has then any control or awareness of what's coming out their mouth. So okay. they might feel a pressure in their throat, but what the content of that verbal tick is going to be, they have no idea. And it is both, I guess, the beauty and the beast of Tourette's syndrome. So I frequently, and I really mean frequently, make myself laugh out loud with shock and confusion or the kind of the beauty or the bizarreness of some of my vocal tics and I I even have a list of the of the most kind of crazy and creative ones from the last like 10 years of my life on the other hand yeah sometimes I might have a tick coming out and I'm going oh I think I know what that's going to be and I might be able to redirect it and make it into a tick that's maybe less offensive or that fits a little bit better in that social situation certainly doesn't mean I can always do it um and it certainly doesn't mean that everyone can do that that's Mm -hmm. a real real skill that some people develop through necessity some people develop through choice um Mm -hmm. but isn't available to everyone and if if people try and sort of suppress their ticks what sort of what is the effect on the person through trying to do that I mean if if they really sort of weren't feeling safe in their environment or they weren't comfortable with some of they are what happens to them when they suppress their tics is it painful or what 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 is the you know result of that absolutely yeah and you know what Carla sadly like so many people of Tourette's report this this feeling that they need to suppress to meet social demands really it's not for their own comfort or well-being most of the time it's to fit in not stand out not get in trouble keep their job stay in school all these things that we should all be able to do while being our authentic selves but we know that we're not there yet in society so I guess that what's really commonly reported is this kind of this rebound effect so like if we don't go for a wee all day and we try and hold hold our wee because we don't want to go to a public toilet or we don't feel comfortable using the toilet in work by the end of the day we're going to be really in pain we're going to be quite Mm -hmm. desperate and we're going to have this whole build up of 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 liquid that needs to pass in the same way people with ticks and Tourette's can often report by the time they get home they've used all their mental and physical energy on staying quiet sitting still in that classroom not drawing attention to themselves maybe avoiding playtime because they know the excitement of that's going to set their ticks off making their well 
world smaller and smaller and then they get home and they have such a such an influx of ticks so many ticks they're so tired mentally physically emotionally that they can't even do the things that they want and need to do they can't take their dog for a walk they can't rest properly they can't complete their homework they can't play with their kids they can't cook dinner and essentially it's it's this really 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 tricky consequence of trying to fit into to society and and don't get me wrong some people really want to suppress their ticks they're maybe mm-hmm. really in a lot of pain or they are they have a tick that causes them like loads of distress or embarrassment but there is a consequence to that and it is really yeah. really exhausting it takes a lot of mental and physical energy and i often tell parents education professionals teachers anyone really who will listen you should always prefer the person to be ticking than to to suppress him because I'm listening to you. I'm accessing that information. I'm present a lot more if I'm just allowed to tick freely. If I'm yeah. focusing on suppressing, at least 30% of my brain and my physical energy is going on that. And I've got to use all these strategies to try and know what on earth is going on in the world. I'm writing notes and I'm recording things. And even then I'm finding myself disconnected from what's happening in front of me because I'm just in myself trying to put up with this horrible feeling um so we we don't want to do it we don't want to create systems that people feel that they need to do that um and yeah I guess that kind of engaging in training and acceptance is the first step in that saying oh no we get it we really get it please tick because it's really it's beautiful and it's really easy to say to someone oh my goodness please don't suppress here tick loudly and proudly there's nothing you could say that could offend or upset but you cannot account for someone's whole life experience. You cannot account for the fact that they might have been told off, shamed, embarrassed, of course, called yeah. out on their ticks hundreds of times in their life. They've taken those essentially traumatic experiences into school, adulthood or whatever. And those things can have a massive impact on it. People might unconsciously suppress and hold in their ticks just because they don't feel safe to do it. So It's awful. There's, I mean, it's good that the awareness is, is sort of um, moving forward and people are understanding a bit more now but I think it's always best to like you know keep sharing and keep getting more and more people to understand because you know it's such a shame if you feel like you've got to hold back from who you are in any situation really you know absolutely so uh, with people who tick sort of more physically um is there anything that you can get help with like because I'm assuming if you're doing a a movement repetitively I'm sure that must over time have its wear and tear on the body and the aches and pains that you carry absolutely it's a really good one I always kind of say we all know about tennis elbow but what about Tourette's elbow so if you're doing any movement that many times a day you're going to cause injury you're going to cause pain and research indicates that like 99% of people with Tourette's have pain and injury from their tics um, and I think if you're doing yeah anything so violently Tourette's doesn't respect your pain threshold it doesn't respect how your body should naturally move it just does its thing um, so physio is a great place to start it can be really tricky to manage pain with physio for Tourette's because ticks change so by the time you reach the top of that wait list you might have a completely different pain and a completely different tick wow, but okay. it, ca- it can be helpful it's t- tough because you can't always respond to the recommendation so they say okay we're going to rest it and ice it and we go okay I can definitely ice it but 
tell my brain that I need to rest it you know insert that memory chip because that's not always an option massage can be really helpful lots of people report massage is is really beneficial relaxing whether that's self-massage whether that's with someone at home or they go and see a professional or ideally people come to you that's really nice um some people like have chiropractors to you know you can do quite a lot of damage to especially around your neck and your shoulder areas and your jaw there can be a lot of tension in those places um using things like heat and ice so not only are we kind of cooling or soothing that area but we're also distracting our brain and body we're bringing a different sensation in hopefully one that's a little bit nicer and there's some obviously there's medical management as well so some people have medications that they take every day some people have medications that they take if they're having a really ticky day and they're just they just need a bit of a reprieve but also there's regular medications so I get Botox for example every three months and I have that in parts of my body that have really frequent movement ticks I will look young forever but that is by the by so I had kind of whiplash in my neck for years from such violent neck ticks and a lot of pain in my jaw from opening my mouth too widely again and again and again and essentially by weakening the muscles in that area you might reduce the ticks in it and that's something that is really quite effective as a pain management for Tourette's but it's really hard to get like lots of things in our current health service um, it's not available Um, and if it is it's a bit specialist and there's maybe a very long waiting list and maybe you can't have it as often as you actually need it but it it does it's worth trying it's worth trying if it's an option yeah yeah yeah, that's so interesting. And with um with Tourette's as well, I know we've spoken a lot about ticks, but are there any sort of um comorbidities or similar sort of things that go with Tourette's that may affect you in different ways other than just the ticking? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in fact, only 12% of people with Tourette's have woo, what we call pure Tourette's. So 80% of people with Tourette's have a co-occurring condition or feature. So 50% of people with Tourette's will have ADHD, 50% okay. will have OCD, so really, really quite really high prevalent. numbers. Really high numbers. Um, around sort of 30, 30% plus report like stress and anxiety, around 20% are also autistic individuals. 80% have sensory processing differences. Um, lots of people have difficulty with sleep, rage, pain, kind of emotional regulation. Essentially, if you can name it, it comes with it. It sits yeah. in this kind of this umbrella term of neurodiversity, kind of neurodiverse yeah. conditions and diagnoses. Oh. But also, I guess mental health is a big one. So it's, it is more common to have mental health challenges with ticks and Tourette's. And I guess that's that's both organically and as a social consequence to it not being so widely accepted and, and understood in society, I guess. Yeah, I can see mm-hmm. I can see some of the similarities that you've spoken about there because I'm I'm really interested in neurodivergence. I've looked into um ADHD a lot. I've been really interested in autism and since sort of booking this interview, I've been looking mm-hmm. into Tourette's a lot more as well. And it seems like all of them have like a uh, element of like impulsivity to them in a way. And then obviously with the sensory as well. I know with a lot of ADHD and autism, a lot of it is very sensory based. And it's interesting to hear that, you know, like you said, with the Tourette's, for example, if there's loud noises going on, or like you said earlier about like having a label on your t-shirt and it's like, oh, I hate that feeling. Oh, it doesn't have to drive me crazy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um there's so many different crossovers that I think before I actually sort of started researching into sort of having this interview with you and before I seen the Lewis Capaldi documentary and read all these things like people just aren't aware of just through pure naivety so like 
it's really interesting to hear all these all these things so thank you so much for uh for you know coming on and talking to us about these things oh you are welcome um but what one thing that i really wanted to ask you um i know you mentioned that you had a friend who has a dog that helps her with her Tourette's could you explain a little bit about how that works and what the dog does uh, just any inform any information Absolutely. Yeah. So I have actually have a couple of friends and I have met them at Tourette's events and I actually researched or, or, or carried out interviews with them for a piece of research I did recently on adults with Tourette's and how they're able to access leisure activities and play and rest and things. And dogs and animals came up as a really strong theme in the research. And I got to speak to two people in really in depth and they kind of shared about the role of of therapy dogs that they that they kind of the positive impact of a Tourette therapy dog so in both situations they'd they had got their own dog and they'd self-trained with some support and they got input from trainers and, and specialists but these dogs provided I guess not only kind of emotional comfort and reassurance and physical deep pressure during times of high ticks or stress and anxiety but also really practical support day to day. So there was a, a lady who had some impulsive compulsive tics around stepping into traffic and the dog was taught, oh, let me remember the term, I think it's like intelligent disobedience or willful disobedience. So the dog, even if she'd say, come on, go, would know to sit and stop at the road if it wasn't safe to walk. So she wow. would be physically blocked from doing something that put her in danger. Uh, the dog would also help with kind of activities around the house, loading the dishes, kind of gathering medication if she needed it in, in an emergency situation. This dog in, in both instances was an absolute lifeline. It helped Brilliant. them to feel safe going out. It helped them to feel more independent. It helped them to go out even if they weren't actually feeling necessarily like they would do it for themselves. They felt more able to do it for their furry friend. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like, you know, it gives you something to get up for in the morning. That dog wants to go. You've got to take it out. You You've know? got to do it. We do it for our companions and, and yeah. it's, it's it's absolutely awesome. And although we don't kind of, there's not a, a standard system for getting kind of therapy and support dogs for ticks and Tourette's, especially as it increases for autistic children, we really hope that we can start to get it out there and, and that more people start to look at the value that animals can bring for ticks mm -hmm. and Tourette's and the, and the calming effect it has on ticks and and the the independence I guess that it brings people who might not feel safe or confident to live or access the world independently without without their companion so I'm already looking into one Carla I want Brilliant. one you know yeah, I'm, totally I'm ready I think I think it's the way forward um uh yeah, I've had and... a few sort of dogs in the salon that are... I've got one that was a guide dog that comes in on his day off to have a pamper. Oh. Um, and he was very sweet and he's so calm and so well behaved. And I can see totally how that, um, you know, that would help with just decreasing your anxieties and just lowering the, you know, stress levels. Because who, I mean, what is there better than sitting there and cuddling a dog and having Nothing. a fuss? Do you know what I mean? So, totally. And I've also got another one on my books that actually didn't quite make the grade. She went to the oh. school, but she didn't quite get the pass mark, bless her. I think she was too easily distracted, a bit like me. So yes. um, she's brilliant to come in and, and she gets her owner's socks out of the washing machine for her and she's opening doors and all sorts she's the cleverest little button I've ever seen oh. um but yeah she was a bit bit too rebellious to make the pass mark but that's good oh I, I like it even I more I ended up with yeah. her in my books and I like yes. a bit of mischief <laughs> pink pink yes <laughs> oh too distractible so, I love it I know so um is there any myths that you want to 
straighten out is there anything that you hear that you think do you know what that drives me crazy when I hear it I just want to set the truth out there this is your time to just go huh Oh, I'll let it all out, eh, Carla? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try to rein myself in a little bit because there are so many myths around Tourette's that we've, I guess we've got a long way to to come in, in busting. And we've already kind of looked at one of them, and that's that, that Tourette's is all about swearing and that we know actually that only impacts around 15% of people with the condition. I think another myth is that it only affects males. So lots of people think that it's a kind of a bit of a male condition. Like wow. we used to historically think that autism, autism only affected males and actually we learned that it presents differently and we're starting to learn that about Tourette's so yeah, ticks might yeah. be more severe in earlier life for, for males and they might be more severe in later life for females so we need to kind of recognize that so we can spot symptoms at the right time and we can treat yeah. them at the right time Another one is, I guess, that we should only focus or adapt for the ticks that we can see. But actually what I know and what most people with Tourette's know is that loads of internal, visual, invisible ticks happen inside the body. And these can cause pain and distraction just as much as the ticks that are disruptive or impact other people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it can be quite hard to accommodate for the things that we can't see. And so I think it's just worth bringing, bringing to people's attention and a uh, couple more Carla because you gave yeah, me the course. platform for it yeah, go for it keep them going the, keep them coming the, this idea that Tourette's is funny that it can be used as a punchline and, and a joke and that it actually really still commonly is is something that mm -hmm. we're desperately trying to move away from it yeah. causes such big barriers to physical and mental well-being it causes such complex kind of mental health challenges and social challenges it's not it's not a punchline and lots of people living with this condition myself included use humour to navigate it, to survive it. We have things like our, our Tourette's tick lists of the funny things that we've said and we have little inside jokes around it. But there's such a difference between laughing with someone to, you know, in, yeah. in exploring this and laughing at someone. Yeah. And we certainly know the difference. And I guess finally, it's that Tourette's is rare and we know that Tourette's actually affects around 1% of the international population. Wow. 300,000 people in the UK and one in 100 school-aged children. So it isn't a rare condition. It's just got a little bit to come until it's, at, I guess, the level that we understand about other neurodivergent diagnoses, things like mm -hmm. autism and ADHD. We want to raise the profile for, for yeah, Tourette's a little bit, make it a bit more talked about. Yeah, of course. No, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And have I missed anything? Is there anything that you think, oh, gosh, she's not covered this and that's really important, I want to say? No, not at all, Carla. I, I just, I think this has been really, it's been a really nice, unique opportunity. And it's something that I haven't had a chance to kind of think about and look at in the past. And I just think that the the profession of well, any any kind of contact with animals is really helpful for people with things like Tourette's and, and the profession as a whole. And we know that loads of people with Tourette's design and find jobs that work with yeah. their needs. So they're gardeners, they're dog walkers, they're artists, they're, you know, whatever, whatever fits with their symptoms. And I just, I think that actually from what you've said, dog grooming could be a, such an amazing protective value profession for yeah, the Tourette's so. community and it, it almost sounds a bit like a dream job you know it's Aww. you and your safe oh, animal like and your music <laughs> my tail's wagging thinking about it Carla so oh, brilliant I think this is this is fab and if it helps some people to um, either recruit bring people on with ticks and Tourette's or to yeah. explore this as a different career path go for it so I mm. from what you said as well if someone was looking for a job in dog grooming and we've got some employers out there who have people 
people who may ha- may have to act as a staff member or someone who may want to come and apply for a job. Would you say that, like, I mean, from what you said, it seems like just to talk to the person about it, how it affects them, and and to sort of navigate a person as an individual is that would is that what you would say? Is there anything that you would give us yeah, advice? Um, absolutely, no, I I agree. I think most people with Tourette's have lived with it their whole life. They know what works for them. They don't. They know what doesn't. It it can be helpful. We have like free online training on our website, and that can be a really good starting place. We also yeah. do specialist workplace employer training, which can be a bit more specific and shows you how you can adapt your workplace to to better meet the needs of people with Tourette's so that's kind of one option if that's the route that you're going down but generally yeah it's that back and forth it's constantly reviewing and just saying well what's working well and what isn't and how can we reduce some of those challenges and what do you need to to thrive but I think that the general design of the the role and all of that animal contact and and slightly less human contact sounds so perfect yeah brilliant fabulous I know I'm I'm so I'm so happy we got the chance to speak and since I've contacted you I've been looking forward to this interview so much so thank you so much for coming on Ione I really appreciate your time you are so welcome thank you for having me oh well thank you from us and everyone listening to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers and cheerio cheerio what an amazing chat that was thank you Ione I have included in the show notes the links to the Tourette's Action website, how to join their newsletter mailing list, a link to the fundraising events that they have going on, and a free e-learning link. If you are interested in finding out more about Tourette's or getting advice on anything, I highly recommend going through their website. They have so much information, a community section, a support section for a whole array of topics for both young people and adults. They also have advice for employers, teachers and health professionals. They can be found across all social media platforms and they also have a lot of videos on YouTube. Next week, I am talking to an American grooming podcast host. She will be talking to us about her pregnancy experience, how she felt at work, what became harder and also how she has altered her work schedule since she's had her children. So, I hope you have a brilliant weekend and I will be back next Friday. Don't forget to click that follow button on your chosen podcast platform and join our Facebook page, Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. But for now, cheerio.